it's so good to know that he loves us. Hallelujah. If you can take up your Bibles, take up your Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm not sure where Pastor Cole is, if he, but if he can turn up my mic. Pastor Cole, if you can turn up my mic. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to be looking at verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And then also I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So we're going to look at two passages of scripture. Put your finger in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And then also 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. I want y'all to take notes on this morning. I'm going to be starting a series called Discerning the Devices of the Devil. Discerning the Devices of the Devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 reads as thus. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Somebody say devices. It says, let me read it again. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now go quickly to, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and there be no divisions among you. Somebody say divisions. As you take your seat, we're going to talk about the subject, this subject, the device of division. The device of division. If we can, I, I need y'all to get something in your hand. Y'all need to take notes on your phone because I'm going to labor in the word on this, uh, on this morning. We've got to not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I want you to know that the enemy goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And notice this, the, de the devil easily devours those who are ignorant of his devices. Did y'all hear what I just said? The enemy, our enemy goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And the ones of us that are easily devoured are those that are ignorant of his devices. Tell your neighbor, don't be ignorant. And, and see this, the reason that the enemy is so successful with the defeat and the destruction of God's people is not so much that he's intelligent, but it's that God's people are ignorant. I want y'all to just catch what I just said. It's not that the enemy is so intelligent, it's that God's people are ignorant. Because, yes, the enemy is crafty, but he's not creative. Y'all got to catch what I'm saying because I'm going to labor this morning. He's crafty, but tell your neighbor he's not creative. The, God is the only creator. And this is why Paul warns us in our foundational text, let Satan take advantage of us. In other versions, it says, let Satan outsmart us or outwit us. Because even as the enemy was cunning and crafty in the garden, tell your neighbor he's cunning and crafting today. And notice this, he remains, notice this, uncreative as well. I hope y'all just caught what I said. Although the enemy is yet crafty, is yet cunning, he is still uncreative. And, and, and notice this, this is why Paul says we have to discern the devil's repetitive and redundant devices. And herein lies the reason why many of God's people suffer, notice this, from repetitive cycles, from repetitive concerns 
and from repetitive consequences because we failed to discern repetitive devices. The reason why many of us go through repetitive cycles, deal with repetitive concerns, and deal with repetitive consequences is because we don't discern repetitive cycle de, um, devices. He's not creative. Tell your neighbor he's not creative. God's people have been ignorant of the enemy's devices. And notice this. This is why Proverbs 10.21 declares, but fools die for a lack of knowledge. Therefore, that which we don't discern, we are fools. And notice this. When we don't discern um, the devices of the enemy, we are subject to die. Don't be ignorant. Since the garden, the enemy has consistently, I want you to know over the course of these series, we're going to talk about the device of deception. He's consistently used the device of distortion. He's consistently used the de device of our lustful desires. But this morning, I want to talk about the device of division. My desire is that we can accurately discern the devices of the devil so we will no longer fall victim to defeat, destruction, and demise. And notice how Paul begins 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. He says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. He, he, Paul, in our text, is pleading, urging, and matter of fact, a, a better translation of that word, he's begging us not to deal in division. Do you know how many churches deal with division? Do y'all know how many families deal with division? Do you know how many um, co-workers and companies deal with division? And Paul is saying there should be no divisions among you. And, and this word division in this verse is the Greek word schisma, which means to split or to tear. It comes from that word schism. As it is the Lord's will, notice this, it's the Lord's will that all things be reconciled back unto himself. But in like manner, it's the enemy's will that all things remain separated from the Lord. Somebody shout division. The enemy knows, hear this, that there are blessings to the believer if we can walk in unity. And he also knows that there's death and division. Therefore, believers not only hear this, negate our promised fruit, but they promote their own fall. When we operate in division, did y'all hear what I just said? When we operate in division, we negate some fruit that God says has been laid aside for you. And not only do I negate the fruit that's been laid aside for me, I promote my own fall. Tell your neighbor, no divisions. This is why Paul warns us that there be no division among you. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, what then causes division to be made bread or made manifest? I want to look at some things this morning. If you're taking notes, you need to take notes this morning. The first thing is carnality. Tell your neighbor carnality. Carnality makes way for conflict, and conflict makes way for division. Whenever there's a level of carnality, somebody shout flesh. It will make way for conflict, and conflict will make way for division. This is why in 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul says that he can't even speak to those in the church as spiritual, but as carnal. And he emphasizes this with verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there, there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? In essence, notice what Paul is saying. Flesh is a friend of division. Anytime I operate in flesh, I'm inviting division to come my way. 
You wonder why division is always at your doorsteps? Maybe you're operating in flesh. Because flesh is a friend of division. So hear this, where there is no fellowship, there is always flesh. When you say I can't fellowship with somebody, there's flesh in that. I should never be able to tell a believer that I can't fellowship with them. If I say that, there's some modicum, somebody say a flesh. We don't like this, y'all. We don't like this. What do I mean? Be careful when people say things like, I can't do such and such. Be careful when people say, we'll never see eye to eye. Somebody say flesh. So hear this. The source of division is always found in the one that is sowing in flesh. Somebody say void of the spirit. People that operate in flesh make it easy for the enemy to sow his devices. So here's the first thing. This is for all these things that I'm going to talk about over the next several weeks. If we operate in carnality, we will be subject to the enemy's devices. Tell your neighbor, don't operate in carnality. So, so, so hear this. When we operate in carnality, hear this, you got to hear me and hear me good. Not only does it divide us from other believers, but the enemy knows that carnality ultimately divides us from Christ. You might be saying you can't do such and such. You might be saying I can't do eye to eye with them. And you may be saying I, I don't mind dividing myself from another believer. But as soon as I operate in flesh, not only do I divide myself from believers, but I divide myself from the very Christ that I say I serve. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Write down Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. We love to talk about the fruit of the spirit. Somebody say the fruit of the flesh. Y'all pastors don't talk about the fruit of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. So we won't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Notice what it says. Now the works of the flesh, somebody say flesh, are evident. So nobody can't say they operate in the spirit. No, they're evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleansiness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Somebody say, and just like all those other stuff. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So not only when we operate in flesh, we invite the enemy, we also don't inherit the divine. Did y'all hear what I just said? When, 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 when I operate in flesh, I invite division and I don't inv- inherit the divine. You can, you can invite, I don't want to invite division and don't inherit what God has already laid up for me. Tell your neighbor, don't operate in carnality. The, the easiest way for us to not be to be ignorant of the enemy's devices is to operate in our flesh. The cost of carnality is too much to pay. I don't want to have to pay that much, y'all. It's some folk, you say, oh, I don't want to deal with them. I can't stand where they come around. And you might be saying, I'm just going to get in my flesh because I can't do them today. And you will say, I'm going to invite division, but what you will do is uh, also is negate your inheritance. Tell your neighbor, I don't want to negate my inheritance. And I want y'all to hear this. Hear me and hear me good because I'm going to give you a balanced approach to this. Here's a word of wisdom. Division can be both carnal and Christ-led. Division can be both carnal and Christ-led. I want you to take notes, all right? We need to take notes. Ephesians 5, verse 11. 
Ephesians 5, verse 11. Just write it down. It says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. That's Ephesians 5, 11. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. If we don't want to be used by the enemy and manifest division where he gets the victory, we must ensure we follow the spirit rather than being led by the flesh. You know, y'all want to divide from people not because the spirit told you to divide, because you felt in your, in your own flesh that I don't want to deal with them on today. All right? If we want to get the victory over the enemy, I want to be spirit led. But notice this, division that is Christ led is usually separation from darkness and not other disciples. Did y'all just catch what I just said? Y'all want to separate from disciples, and God is saying, I need you to separate from darkness. So we like to justify our separation from the body of Christ, and it's not because it's Christ-led. It's because we're carnal. Listen, some people might get on your nerves, but it's not you're not Christ-led to divide from them. Some people may be difficult to deal with, but you're not called to divide from them. The Bible says that we should separate ourselves from darkness and not disciples. We don't like that, y'all. It's going to be some people in churches that you're not always going to like, but you're not called to divide from them. And if you do want to divide, tell your neighbor you're operating in flesh. We have too many believers being all right with being separated or torn from disciples. And that's where the enemy wins. Notice this. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, y'all got to take notes, y'all. Let's not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Every kingdom, this is why we can't get unsaved folk in a church. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Anytime I separate myself from another disciple, I cause the kingdom to be at the verge of desolation. Anytime I want to separate from somebody that's a brother or sister in Christ, I make the kingdom subject to not fall, to not stand. Tell your neighbor, don't separate from disciples. Separate from darkness. So discerning the device of division requires discerning where there is access and where there notices an appetite to carnality. If you got an appetite for your flesh, you are always operating division. Wherever there's room for carnality to come in, and this is why I told our leaders this morning, you know, a, a lot of times if we don't look at it this way, anytime I go based on my opinion rather than the opinion of God, I'm operating in flesh. Y'all know stuff can look like a good thing, but if God said do something else, I'm operating in flesh. I could think, I'm going to give you something real small. I could tell my wife, I think it's good that we move to Alaska because it's a job over there paying me $100,000. And God said, I gave you an assignment over here. It seems simple, but tell your neighbor, I'm operating in flesh. We can, it can look like a good thing. This is why the enemy is so cunning because many times we reason with our own selves that God, this seemed right. God, this looked like a good thing. God, this is a good opportunity over there. But anytime I go against the very opinion of God, tell your neighbor I'm operating in flesh. I've got to not have access to carnality or give an appetite for carnality. So the first thing is, whenever there's division, tell your neighbor there will always be flesh. So here's the second thing. 
<laughs> contentions, write down contentions. Carnality lays the foundation for division, but notice this, it is contentions that flame the fire for division. Y'all heard what I just said? Carnality lays the foundation, all right? It lays the foundation for which division can be made manifest. But contentions flame the fire for division. This is why Proverbs 18, 19 declares, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. The enemy desires to use contentions to make us captive to division. Y'all, did y'all just catch what I just said? He's going to use contentions, y'all, to make us captive to division. And, and notice this, contentions, and y'all might be saying, Pastor Keith, what are contentions? Contentions are simply disagreements, discord, or dissension. Tell your neighbor, some arguments ain't worth having. Disagreements have caused marriages to end. Disagreements have caused family members to, to stop talking to one another. Y'all know how some of y'all say, I ain't going to the family cookout because I don't like such and such. Disagreements. Disagreements. Notice this. Disagreements, notice this, have even caused different races and ethnicities to hate each other. Tell your neighbor disagreements. And as the saying goes, we should be able to agree to disagree. But the enemy wants us to disagree to the point that we divide. It's some stuff that me and my wife just don't agree on. I'm like, boo, I just don't agree. All right. And we can be okay with that. But here's what the enemy wants us to do, wants to do. He wants to use that very di disagreement to divide us. Tell your neighbor, it should not be so. Ah, I wish we had, I wish we had these monitors up. We're going to have them up for Bible study. Um, you got to write this down. Acts chapter 15. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but the reason we're ignorant of the enemy's devices is because we ain't in the book. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 39. It talks about this contention between Paul and Barnabas. And it says, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. You can be preaching and still operate in division. And see how they are doing. I just want to check on them. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take um, with them the one who had departed from them in, in Pamphylia and he had, he had not gone with them to the work and then the contention notice this became so sharp that they parted from one another the text says that their disagreement became so sharp that they felt necessary to separate from one another so hear this the enemy can will and has used contentions to notice this to divide even the most devout believers you, can, you might feel like I'm so mature, I'm just a devout believer. God has used contentions to even divide even the most devout believers. You, you are not so mature that the enemy won't make room for contentions to manifest. Here, here's the thing. Contentions may come, but I just don't want to be held hostage by a contention. A disagreement may arise, and I said this before, whenever you're in community, expect conflict. You get two folks together, it's going to be some kind of conflict. Somebody want to eat at Kiki's and somebody else want to eat at Aha. Somebody say a disagreement. 
Somebody want to go to SeaWorld. I got one baby want to go to SeaWorld, and I got another one want to go to Magic Kingdom. Somebody say disagreement. But I don't want to cause that disagreement to cause me to divide. Many believers have caused disagreement to cause them to divide. And, and for more, y'all got to consider the magnitude of the separation. Barnabas was the one who advocated for Paul when the apostles wanted to reject him. He said, so Paul said, no, if you're going to do that, we're going to divide. But, but Barnabas was the one who advocated for him. That's in Acts chapter 9. Notice this. It was Barnabas that traveled to Tarsus to find Paul and bring him back to Antioch where they taught the church there. The place where they were first called Christians. This is Barnabas, y'all. That's Acts chapter 11. And notice this. It was Paul and Barnabas that the Spirit of the Lord commissioned to take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's Acts chapter 13. What am I trying to say? Sometimes we have to remember our history with another believer before we allow contention to hold us hostage. Y'all, y'all heard what I just, me, me, me and Pastor Cole been in this journey for a good little while, all right? And I can allow one disagreement to cause us to divide. But what I got to do, Paul did not remember his history with Barnabas. Many of us, I don't know about y'all. Me and my wife can get in an argument today. And I got to remember when she stayed with me when I lost my job. I got to remember when she caught me in an act of sin and she, she loved me back with mercy. I've got to remember my history with another believer. And, and here's the other thing. If you ain't got no history with them, find somebody else who does. If you ain't got no history with them, find another believer that does. Because we can come into churches and make opinions about, uh, about people, and you don't know their history. People are coming, people are coming to church and see Miss Ivera shout and worship, and they and it may say she's doing too much, but you don't know her history. And when I take time to realize where she came from, I won't allow a disagreement to hold me hostage. Too many people get divorced off of disagreements. People, too many people give up on family members off of disagreements. Tell your neighbor, remember their history. And, and notice this. We don't know what assignment they forsook. We don't know what blessing they negated. We don't know what harvest and Paul and Barnabas did not reap because they divided. Consider the magnitude of that divide. All that God had called Paul and Barnabas to do. They spoke to the church when they were first called Christians. And Paul would have never been an apostle if Barnabas did not advocate for him. Many of us, we'll say we want, we'll cut people off like they ain't nothing. And we don't know the fruit we negated. We don't know the assignment that God had on our life concerning them. Only because, say this, we operated in flesh. I don't want to operate in flesh. When I get into it with my wife, you know, sometimes she don't like it. But I tell her I don't want to, I try to get over it as soon as we can. I, I don't want to allow that contention to grow to the, place, to the place where we divide. And notice this, just as with carnality, contentions may just cost you too much. That's why, notice this, we have to be sensitive to the signs of contention. Because if not, the enemy will use it as a stronghold. 
the reason why many of us are still separated from folk, still don't talk to folk, is because contentions have made us a, made a stronghold in our life. And at the sign of contention, we, we, we played with it. We, we, we listened to it. We fed into it. And now, and now the divide between us is so long that reconciliation isn't available. I don't want it to cost me that much. Consider this. I'm giving y'all a lot of scripture. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 14. This is why the enemy has defeated us, y'all. It says the beginning of strife is like, listen to this, it's like the releasing of waters. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I may have a, I may have a disagreement, but I want to stop it before a quarrel. And, and see the Bible being nice. That sometimes contention will cause domestic violence. Sometimes contention will cause DCF to come take some children away. All because we didn't allow contentions to stop before it started to quarrel. Many people got, many people got records, criminal records, because they did not stop contention. And, 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 and hear this, here's a word of wisdom. Be careful of the believer that likes to start contention rather than stopping it. Y'all know those that can make an argument out of any and everything. Ah, right, just be, be careful of those. Even those, notice this, that are always offended. I want to be careful of the folk. That girl, I just, I was not walking by you. I got an appointment to go to. You find offense in everything. Because I ain't call you out today. Because I ain't say nothing about your new dress or your new shoes. Always find something to be offended by. We've got to be careful of those. They, do y'all, somebody say they live in offense. And, and notice this, that contrary to popular belief, there are believers that have operated in toxic and dysfunctional relationships so long, notice this, that they sabotage relationships so that strife can remain. Did y'all hear what I just said? We've got believers that have operated in toxic and dysfunctional relationships so long that we sabotage relationships so that strife can remain. They don't know how to operate unless there's a level of strife. We don't like to believe that. We think everybody want to get along. Oh, you, you, some of you got to know their history. Tell you, let me know their history. So, 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 and no, notice this. Strife was normalized in their upbringing. So that's why they desire for strife to be sustained. Tell your neighbor, the devil is alive. And here's, here I, want, I want you to know before I go to my next point, contentions usually arise by way of conversations. Somebody say conversations. Don't let your mouth get you into mess. I, many times contentions, because people don't get upset just for any kind of reason. I, it starts with a conversation. So, so we've got to be careful or check our conversations. Who we talk to. Some people ain't worth talking to. Y'all like to go to the folk that's gossiping. And you wonder why now such and such look at you a certain way. Because I know you've been talking to the town gossiper. I've, I've got to watch who I talk to. I've got to watch how we talk to others. I told the leaders on this morning... I said, y'all got to watch me. Watch how I told the folk. 
Watch how I love on people. Be careful how you talk to one another. Y'all feel like y'all can talk to anybody any kind of way. My mama talked to me like this, so I'm going to talk to you like this way. Tell your neighbor the devil is a lie. And, and then we've got we to gotta watch what we talk about. Many people in, in, in the sign under the guise of the mask of concern. Girl, you saw such and such. Girl, you, 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 you know such and such they going through right now. You know they just got evicted. I'm so concerned. But really what they want to do, somebody say, is gossip. Because contentious relationships don't happen out of nowhere. Many times, notice this, it's our conversations that cultivate contentious. And this is why Proverbs 16, 28, I'm giving y'all a whole bunch of scripture so we might not be ignorant of his devices. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a, per a perverse man sows strife. And notice this, a whisperer separates the best of friends. Somebody say gossip. You wonder why such and such don't want to deal with you no more? You operated in gossip. It says a whisperer can separate even the best of friends. Tell your neighbor, watch your conversation. So, so, so the first thing I wanted y'all to know, the reason why division is so rampant in the body of Christ is because we operate in carnality. You got bishops operating in carnality, up here preaching out of their flesh. You got, you got deacons, you got elders, you got lay members operating in carnality. And not only that, we, lead, we, allow, we lay the foundation for division and then we operate in contentions, disagreements, and we cause disagreements to divide us. Some of us just got to watch our mouth. Our mouth put us into a whole bunch of mess. And here's the last thing I want you to know. Conceitedness. Pride is an adversary to your peace. I want y'all to hear what I just said. Pride is an adversary to peace. It's the desire to be right that strengthens the stronghold of division. The reason why many people can't, can't reconcile is because somebody has a need to be right. All right, and, and, and notice this, because hear this, your desire to be right kills the ability to reconcile. Run from those that desire to be right because it's those that the enemy uses to divide you. All right, and, and I'm going to give you more scripture because I got to give it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18 through 19. It says, for first of all, when you came together as a church, somebody say as a church. I hear that there are divisions among you. Hey, I'm coming against something, y'all. I've been meaning and God laid it on me just, just now because there's been, there's been divisions among us. And it says, and I in part believe it. I believe it, y'all. For there must also be factions among you that those who are proved may be recognized among you. In essence, Paul said, that there are divisions among those in the church of Corinth because those, there are those that desire, notice this, to exalt themselves within and above the body of Christ. When you got people that don't just care about themselves, care about them looking good, li listen, I don't want my reputation stained. Um, I, I, my, my ability to be right is more to me than the body. We got saints like that, y'all. 
In other words, their distinction was worth the division. So hear this. It's conceitedness in the lives of God's people that the enemy uses to strengthen the effectiveness of the device of division. And I'm going to give y'all this because y'all may be saying, where you going, Pastor Keith? One def definition of conceited is excessively proud of oneself, especially to the extent where no one else can compare. But here's the greater thing, where no one else matters. I want y'all to hear what I just said. This very posture is what caused even heaven to experience division. Some of y'all might be saying, I, I, don't, I don't believe that, Pastor Keith. The very spirit of conceitedness caused heaven to experience somebody shout division. I'm going to give y'all one more scripture. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. It says, how you are fallen from heaven. Somebody say, the devil. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground for who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make the most high. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest pits of, uh, depths of the pit. And Revelation 12, 9 reminds us that it was not just Satan, oh, hear this, but it was a host of angels that fell with them as well. So that means you can fall based on who you in fellowship with. Many of us are entertaining folk that said, this is why I don't talk to such and such, this is why I don't do such and such, this is why I don't do, deal with such and such, and because of your fellowship with them, will cause you to fall. The enemy will get you. You may not even be the one that caused the carnality. You may not even be the one that's operating in contention. But simply because you find yourself in fellowship with one with a spirit of conceitedness, it causes you to be subject to fall. Y'all better stop entertaining some conversations. I, I, I didn't realize why my former pastor used to say that. Don't bring that to me. I never realized why she said some stuff just don't bring to me. And, and matter of fact, we got to start telling folk, just don't bring that to me. And many of us, we think that we're doing, we're giving them a listening ear. And the Bible says, if you have art with a brother, go to them. And we were out here being gossipers. Notice this, promoting division. And, and then notice this, we got to stay away from conceited folk. Because hear this, pride will always cloud your perception. The reason why I don't want to operate with somebody who always want to be right, who always living in offense, nobody, nobody else ain't doing wrong, but everybody doing wrong to me. As soon as I start to entertain conversations with them, pride will cloud my perception. And now I become, hear this, a tool of the enemy. Not only did the enemy used division. He's using me to tell you, neighbor, don't let the enemy use you. These are people who are never wrong, can always identify wrong in another, and who can never notice this except the alternative view of another believer. And notice this, faulty perceptions will always lead to fragile relationships. 
Whenever you got a faulty perception, your relationships will always be fragile. When I, all, if my wife, all she could do was keep, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, and never see something, nothing in herself, it will always be a fragile relationship. Matter of fact, I'm going to be fragile, y'all. I'm going to always be like, oh, I'm, I'm stepping on, on, on walking on glass. We've got faulty perception, and it'll lead to a faulty relationship, a fragile relationship. And, and, and somebody say division. And this is why Paul says in Romans 12, 3, to think of yourself with sober judgment. Too many of y'all drunk on pride. With a clear and void of a conceit perspective. The enemy will use the very thing that caused him to be separated. Notice this, to, for us to be separated from heaven as well. Y'all got to catch what I just said. It's not just being separated from another believer. The Bible says that the enemy and a host of angels was separated from heaven. When I operate in division, y'all might y'all y'all say, "Well, I, I just don't talk to Brandon no more. I ain't worrying about Brandon no more. I don't do Brandon no more." In essence, what I'm saying, I'm separating myself from the very um, 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 inheritance that's laid up for me. Somebody say, "In heaven." Division will cost you too much. And as with Satan, notice what he lost. It, division and conceitedness will cause us to lose some seats. There's some places that God, he said, the Bible says, we've been seated in high places. It'll cause us to lose some seats. It will cause us to pull the plug on our success. And it will cause us to sever some ties. If we don't want the enemy to use us as vessels to cause division, then we must ask ourselves, what matters most? My, my, my desire to be right or my willingness to reconcile. And, and that's an that's a easy way to check if pride is causing my perceptions to be blurred. Do I have more of a desire to be right? That's why I tell my wife, sometimes she wrong, y'all. Sometimes she wrong. <laughs> but I care more about reconciling than being right. I, I know I'm right in my spirit. I know I'm right. But I want to I wanna reconcile more so than I want to be right. Y'all know sometimes y'all right. You can be on your job and be right. You, you, you can know that I know more than my boss and I know I'm right. And y'all right behind. That's why y'all don't get the promotion. Because you want to be right. And I lose some seats that have been laid up for me. Because I want to be right. I sever some ties. So when the company got a downsize, they say, you're going to go on here with them because I wanted to be right. The success that has been laid up for me because I wanted to be right. Tell your neighbor, I want to reconcile and not be right. Because if it's to be right, then division will always be the fruit thereof. I want to conclude with this. Psalm 133 reminds us that we receive an inheritance when we walk in unity. Somebody say inheritance. John 13 reminds us that our identity in Christ is revealed in unity. Somebody say identity. And John 17 reminds us that we are bestowed with influence when we walk in unity. Somebody say influence. And herein lies the reason why we must discern the device of the devil, which is division. Because division denies our inheritance. Division disposes our identity. 
and division, notice this, deters us of our influence to bring others to Christ. Division will cost you too much. Therefore, the consequence of not discerning the device of division not only costs us something, notice this, it don't just cost me something, but it costs somebody else that's attached to my life something. There was a level of influence that God wanted to lay upon my life, but I'd rather operate in division. There was somebody that God wanted to draw towards him, but I wanted to operate in division. That there are some people that have been the subject of a fall because I was in fellowship with division and they was in fellowship with me. It will not only cost me something, but it will cost those that I'm attached to. We must not entertain division or notice this, division will entangle us. Therefore, we must discern division. We've got to recognize when we operate in that carnality. Y'all got to recognize that, right? When, when carnality, and, and notice this, you had a bad day, you couldn't get in your word, you weren't praying, tell your neighbor, you are a good, um, you are a good, viable option for carnality. Y'all know that? When I got a bad day and I just walk inside the house, my kids going to get a whole bunch of flesh. When, when I know people have been getting on my nerves and I ain't find myself in devotion, my wife going to get a big dose of flesh. I've got to be cognizant of the signs of flesh. When I see that daughter walking in the church and her face look like it got a whole bunch of flesh on it, I got to know that the enemy might use her to cause division to come about. So I've got to recognize that and then remove it. And then the other thing I got to do, I got to cut the cord of contention. Too many of us, we just, we, we love to disagree. We love to be in arguments. We love to debate. And your, your debating behind going to be by yourself. Right? Because you don't know how to cut the cord on contention. And matter of fact, your conversations have gotten you in more trouble than your own actions have. I've got to cut the cord on that. I've got to watch my conversations. Can, and I told them at Bible study, especially even when we're, we're, we're um, correcting people, one, I got to define the relationship. You know, I can talk to my kids one kind of way, but you can't. Y'all heard what I just said? I can talk to my kids some kind of way, but you can't. I, I can pop Caden on the leg, but some of y'all, y'all hands too heavy. No, no, no. And I ain't give you authority to pop him. Unless that relationship has been defined for a pop. So, so when I'm in conversation with people, I got to define the relationship. And not only that, I've got to make sure that my conversations are redemptive. All right? Are they restorative in nature? When I'm talking to Miss Alvera, am I trying to lift her up or beat her down? Am I trying to call out your sin? I'm just trying to warn you of your sin. All right? Every conversation must first be defined by relationship, and then it must be redemptive in nature. Don't cause your conversations to get you in trouble. And then we've got to not fall prey to conceitedness. Some of y'all just want to be right. Some of y'all just want to be right. Some of y'all just want to be right, and you're going to be by yourself. I want us all to stand. I want to come against division in our church. We're young, and this is one of the easiest ways for division to come. Some of us are in marriages 
that are divided. We living together but divided. Some of y'all got kids in y'all home divided. Some of y'all don't talk to family members no more because you divided. Some of y'all have justified your division because you're operating in carnality and the enemy is smiling. We become divided. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that we will no longer be ignorant of the enemy's divisive division. I even pray even now, God, that because we've been made aware of this device, the enemy will be even more crafty and cunning even more. God, protect your people now. God, as they go to reconcile certain relationships, protect them now. God, as they go to have redemptive conversations, protect them now. God, I'm praying for every place of division in our lives. Many of us are not divided from darkness. We divided from disciples. And it should not be so. Wherever there's flesh, God, kill it. Wherever there's carnality, God, destroy it. Wherever there's flesh, God, crucify it afresh. Let us not entertain flesh. Where there is no fellowship, there is always flesh. Let us not be the source of division. And God, I pray, God, for, I, I pray for our level of contention. God, we're going to have disagreements. As long as we're in community, there'll be conflicts. But let us not, let us stop contentions before quarrels start. God, help us to check our conversations. Let us stop them, God. Let us be quicker to reconcile rather than to be right. We need you, Lord. I pray, God, your reconciling power. God, you, your, your will is that all things be reconciled back unto yourself. So, God, we pray for every marriage in this place. Reconcile it. For every friendship now. Reconcile it. For every father that does not talk to their child, reconcile it. For every baby mama that don't want to talk to a baby daddy, reconcile it. God, wherever there may be division among us, God, for the daughter that don't want to talk to their mama no more because they don't know who their daddy is, reconcile it. I pray, God, reconciliation. Let us let this house be a model of reconciliation. Let us walk in unity. God, matter of fact, because if we don't walk in unity, we deny our inheritance. We deny our identity. And God, we deny our influence. Division will cost us too much. And we pray, God, that we never pray the price. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And every heart that believes that, thank God. And amen. Give God a hand.